0: This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Hi out there, a big shout out to all of our foster parents listening, and I must say, all of our foster parents who are doing great work during these extremely, can I just say, extremely challenging times. And also a shout out to everyone out there who has left a review. We appreciate knowing what you like, what you don't like, what you think we can improve upon. And once again, this is a podcast produced by Utah Foster Care. I'm Deborah Lindner, and this time it's time to talk foster care adoption. And I'm joined by my co host, Liz Rivera, our Director of Education for UFC. Hi, Liz. Hi, Deborah. Now, adoption, from what I understand, is one of the big motivators for families who want to foster in the first place, isn't it?
1: It is. I would say the majority of families who choose to do foster care are interested in the potential of adoption, which makes for a tricky conversation that we begin to have up front, which is that the goal of foster care, of course, is reunification with mom and or dad or family, But the reality is, is that goal doesn't always happen. And so we do need families um, from time to time who are available and willing to adopt.
0: And adoption, as we know, can be different uh, for each family. And when people ask about adoption, I tell them that each year around 700 children are adopted from foster care in Utah, 700. And everyone seems to be very surprised at that. And we can talk about some of the reasons for that, but we're delighted to have three guests on our show today, all who have adopted from foster care. Our first family is Ryan and Susie McCorston, who have experience with both fostering and adopting teenagers. Ryan and Susie, welcome. How are things doing in Eagle Mountain?
2: Things are going well um we're excited to be here on this podcast to talk about our experience a little bit because we are very adamant uh supporters of foster care and and just excited to be here with you Deborah.
1: yeah thanks for having us thank you for being here Liz Thank you so much. And we also have Amy Bates. And Amy is um, actually uh, both a staff member as well as a foster parent and adoptive parent. So she um, helps with uh, recruiting of new families, but also the training and support of ongoing families too. And she's an amazing asset to our team as well as to her family. So um, Amy, if you just give us just a really brief introduction into how you started fostering and then how that fostering journey led you into adoption.
3: Sure. So I first started hearing about foster care because my grandmother was a foster parent many, many years ago. And she had just talked about how much she loved a little girl that she had hoped to adopt and wasn't able to. And um, just those feelings of uh, being able to help someone and just love a little little child, Um, she just, whenever she would talk about it, she would just, um, you could just feel the love that she had for this little girl. Um, And so I started looking into it and we have been blessed to adopt eight of our children. I have two biological children, um, but we've also fostered over the years. So we've had about 80 children in our home throughout the 21 years that we've done foster care. Um, We kind of got into it a little bit differently than other people do in the idea that we were okay with adopting if that opportunity came up. But our main purpose was to help children um, and help families, which we absolutely have been able to do. Um, We consider it icing on the cake that we've been able to adopt and permanently add to our family through adoption as well.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. It's Susie and Ryan Um, a little bit about you and your story. What, what brought you into foster parenting and how does adoption play into it?
4: Yeah. So we actually experienced infertility issues for about seven and a half years of our marriage. And so we come from large families. Ryan is five of nine kids. I'm the youngest of five kids. We have 40 something nieces and nephews. (laughs) And so not being able to have children, we uh, originally, we thought of foster care about two years before we got started. And we would look into it and then get scared, (laughs) and then stop, or look into it. And then we weren't in the right situation to to get started, because we had family living with us, friends living with us. Um, And so it actually took us about two years to really realize that fostering was what we wanted to do. Um, we had a few failed fertility treatments. Um, we went up to doing IUI, which is right before IVF. And it was actually Ryan that after the uh, failed attempt, he was like, "I, I can't handle this. Like, this is really, really hard. Um, and for anyone who has experienced infertility issues, it can be very emotionally draining. And so that was when I again brought up the subject of I think we need to foster and I think that's how we're gonna build our family. So we started foster classes. As we were doing that, we realized that we needed to do teenagers, which a lot of <laughs> friends and family thought we were crazy. We are crazy, but it's <laughs> <you> good. <laughs> we like crazy. So we we ended up Accepting teenagers um, and sibling groups because as you do foster classes, you realize the need for sibling groups as well as teenagers that they often don't get placements and so that's what we ended up doing we actually were waiting for our town home to be built before we could get licensed and I actually ended up being pregnant before we got licensed. So a lot of our family and friends were like, oh, so you're not going to do fostering anymore because, you know, you can have your own kids. And we both realized that it was what we were supposed to do. So we're like, we'll just do it both. We'll we'll figure it out because we, we are spiritual people. And so once we felt that this was what we needed to do at the time, we decided to have a baby and teenagers at the same time.
0: <laughs> Wow, brave people. And so tell us now what your family situation is.
2: So our family situation is we have, um, we adopted our, our oldest, which is 17 now. Um, we adopted her at the beginning of this year. Um, so 2020 wasn't bad for us in all aspects. <laughs> it
4: started out awesome.
2: <laughs> uh, so that was in January of this year. And then we have a three-year-old and one that's going to be two in a couple months. And one that is somewhere cooking down there. Okay, when I'm about wow. 15 weeks pregnant. Wow. That's okay. a
0: great story. Uh, and infertility is, is a common story uh, that we get from uh, some of our foster parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And People are also surprised to learn who can adopt in Utah. You you know, Susie and Ryan are a married couple. Um, you don't have, you can be a single person. You can be LGBTQ. You can be a same-sex couple. Um, as I mentioned, single. And people are really surprised at uh, the variety of children who can, or parents who can adopt children in Utah.
4: Yeah, I would... Also, just like to add, when we were first looking into fostering and adopting, we both worked full time. And so we almost thought that that wasn't allowed or we couldn't do that. So I think that's something that people need to realize as well is if you're working, if both parents are working, it is still possible to foster and to adopt.
0: Good point. Excellent point. Yes, there's there's hardly, there's not a lot that keeps you from adopting in Utah, Um, You also don't have to own your own home. You can be renting as long as you have enough room. Um, So Amy Bates, um, what are some common questions that uh, foster parents have who want to adopt?
3: A lot of times people will wonder um, how... best to have the child become a part of their family. Um, And I think that's a pretty easy thing to do actually. Um, Throughout the whole process of being a foster parent, the child is in your home as they work through reunification. So they're generally in your home for a year before you know whether or not it's going to go towards adoption. Um, In that year timeframe, it is virtually impossible not to fall in love with a child and make them feel part of your family. And so it kind of happens more naturally than most people would suppose. Um, I think people, when they're first thinking about foster care, it sounds kind of like a big idea that's a little bit scary, but when they actually get the child into their home, they realize that loving a child is something actually quite simple and it's not something that takes a lot of effort to make it happen and, and feel right. Um, so that would be one of the main questions I get. Also, just how it works with the birth parents. Um, a lot of people wonder about what that interaction looks like after adoption. Um, and that really varies on the birth parents and you as parents and the child. Um, I always suggest doing what's best for the children. Um, we have in our home, we've adopted several sibling groups. And so we have lots of different birth parents and um relatives that we work with. And I think the more people that love your children, the better. Um, We have one set of grandparents that became grandparents to all of our kids, even though they're only genetically connected to one of them. Uh, But all of our children call them grandma and grandpa. Um, We have others that um, we see once in a while. Um, As far as, as long as they're healthy, I like to have family in our lives because I just, again, don't think they're, Too much love is a bad thing for children. And so, but that's something that the parents can decide based on how their children are doing and how the parents are doing, which is kind of nice.
1: And that is the ideal. You know, I love what you said that, you know, there never can be too many people loving a child that, you know, in so many families I've talked to who have adopted, they've been really surprised that it's not just the child, it becomes those extended connections that often come with the child. And of course, you know, we, we have conversations on boundary setting and all of those kinds of things. Um, but it's amazing how often things uh, work out better than a lot of people may have imagined in, in the beginning.
3: It's very similar to in-laws, I feel. You know, everyone's going to do things a little bit differently, but doesn't mean that they do it wrong or bad. Um, But you are definitely getting used to a different family and and different traditions. But I just love that part of adoption because we've added so much to our family through different cultures or different traditions that we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, So it's been a great experience for us.
1: It's wonderful and Susie and Ryan um, so Amy talked about you know that and and Deborah mentioned brief previously that seven hundred number and most of children um, who are adopted out of foster care in Utah are adopted by their foster family as Amy referenced um, with your with the the your daughter you adopted was she was she did she come in with a goal of reunification and then that changed during time or did she come in with a goal of adoption
2: yeah that, that's a great question uh, she came in and we thought for the first yeah. year or so that she was actually going to be reunified with her mother. And um, we found out um, At like, the year mark. <laughs> yeah, a little bit before the year mark that the the mother was actually wanted to relinquish her own rights.
4: Because she realized that she wouldn't be able to care for her, which is so selfless to do because that's, that's what she realized of, I'm not healthy enough and I want what's best for you. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then we actually then the goal changed to reunification with the father and there was actually like another year where we were <gasps> wow. trying to figure out what that looked like. Yeah. Before wow. and like there was some other stuff that we don't want to go too much in detail but mm-hmm. it was it's a it was a lengthy back and forth not knowing for the first basically two, two years, years yeah. that she was in our house. If we were going to be able to adopt her or not, and and that's what you were talking about, Liz. Like the goal of uh, foster care is to be reunified with their their parents um, before like adoption is an option. And So like while it hurts that you know as a foster foster parent, you want to keep that person safe. You want to make sure that they're in your home, and you feel like you can actually do that you have to kind of take yourself out of the equation sometimes and and realize that what's best for the, the children. Um, our first placement that we had were three teenagers, and we realized that, um, and they realized that, like, it wasn't going to be the right fit, and they there's some other moving factors, and they actually were moved to another um, home that was more in line with their religious beliefs. And so, like... And their youth pastor, they actually ended up adopting them.
4: So... <laughs> Uh, yeah. it, it worked out perfect. So
1: you're kind of a bridge from, yeah.
4: yeah. But we were able to get them on track with school, you know, in a in a healthy situation for for eight months that they were with us. And yeah, we were a stepping stone for them to then be with their adopted family. Yeah.
2: And to be honest, it's a roller coaster. Like if if I were to tell you it was something else, it was super easy, you know, everything, I'd be lying to you. It's just with the first three um like amy said the kids need to be loved and feel loved and we loved love them from day one and we made sure that they were um in a place that they could be safe and felt safe both physically and mentally and and that's was our goal that's the that was our goal with with our daughter we wanted her just to be safe like we definitely wanted to adopt her sooner than we we did um but we let the you know let it play out the way that it needed to, because through that we you know built a really good relationship with our daughter, and we still have um, contact with her parents, and she still sees her mom from time to time. i um, still sees her dad every once in a while. He lives in a different state, and so he when he comes into town, we we are open to having that relationship because. Rather than having two parents, she has four parents, and um, and that's we see that as a good thing. We're with her full time, and we're able to help her and guide her. Um, but it doesn't take away that her other parents are still her parents.
1: I think that seems to be. I mean, I think that's essential for you know any adoptive situation. That that understanding that we have to kind of broaden our view of what a parent means, but especially with a teenager, because she had this hist- this long history you know, with, with, with the other parents. And so we can't just erase mm-hmm. that. And so you, you recognize this as a continuation and now you're, you're a part of that support that she needs at this point. Yeah, And for definitely. a long time, which I think is cool, because you'll, you'll always be her parents, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you'll still be her parents.
4: Yeah. I think that's one of the misconceptions. Well, I guess originally when we were um, talking about adopting teenagers, a lot of friends or family didn't understand why you would adopt teenagers because they're like, they'll be 18 soon. And why would you need to? But I mean, I'm 31 years old and I still need my parents. Like the fact that they, when they age out, how many of them can end up on the street? How, how many of them just don't have that support system. And so it's the teenagers that need it the most. And yeah, they're only maybe in your home for a few years until you send them on their way, but then they have a place to call home and they have that forever family.
1: That's wonderful. Thank you.
0: Yes, you realize that, um, you know, like your daughter, she'll still need someone to walk her down the aisle and a place to come for Thanksgiving when this pandemic is over. And all of those things that mean family and teenagers want that as much as young kids do. Um, I've even heard some families, you know, like having teenagers um, and that's maybe a whole other discussion, but you don't have to deal with diapers, among other things, but you're dealing with dating and driving. Of course
1: you're dealing with both diapers and yes. We're
4: at both <laughs> ends of the spectrum, like Ashley's applying for colleges, doing ACT prep, and you know, we're teaching our son the potty train. And <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. What is that like? I mean, how is she, because uh, Amy talked about, you know, helping a child feel a part of the family. Um, and I guess your daughter was there before at least well, one of your kids and maybe in the net, your next kid. Um, so how does that, like, does she have a sense of, like, these are my little, I'm, I know she does a little bit of sisters, but I think, I mean, does she, I mean, what does that look like? I guess to have such little kids and then have a teenager.
4: Yeah. So she came into our home when our son was six months old. So our, our son pretty much just remembers her being there and our daughter only knows her being here. And Ashley, our daughter calls her siblings, her siblings. Mm-hmm. She's got you know, she'll talk to coworkers, she, she works and she'll talk about like, oh yeah, my brother's three and sister's one. And they're like, what? Like, <laughs> How is that possible? She's like, I'm adopted. And so they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But she is the best big sister. It's another pro of adopting teenagers, especially once trust is built and you can, you know, make sure that they're safe and, and safe with your children. Um, she's a great babysitter and we're able to <laughs> have date nights often because as our daughter, uh, for us and our family, you're an older sibling and you are thankfully willing to <laughs> watch the younger ones so we can get out and, and mm-hmm. have a date night. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and it's also cute that our 20 month old is like, SE the, the, like, she, like <laughs> they see her as her sister and like they don't know anything else and like yeah. that's perfect that's how we'd like it and then um and it's cool because um our daughter has another sister that's in foster care right now and and so like she's still able to have that relationship and so having that like the dynamic is that she now has like extended larger families and you know, she has her, her family, our family that are working together to help her to be on track with, with her goals. And, and it's really cool to see how things have changed in the two and a half years. Like, she probably didn't think that she was going to be able to graduate high school. And um, when she first came to her home two years ago, now she's on track to graduate with a pretty like 3.8 GPA and is talking about going to different colleges and is wanting to be a nurse. She, she wants to be a nurse anesthetist,
4: oh, wow. which is very, you know, high goals, mm-hmm. med, med school stuff. And she is so smart and she's going to do it. So once, I think another thing with foster care, with children in care, often they, they can come from a home where there's trauma and they almost feel like there's no hope. And like, they're just seeing from day to day of, I don't even know what tomorrow will be. And so that's kind of how she felt of, I don't know what tomorrow will be. So why have hopes? Why why have dreams? And that's something that she's been able to have now of realizing I can achieve this and I can do this. And having those goals and ambitions help them so much to, to see past
1: tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Have that hope for the future. Yeah. I always like to
0: bring in the the element of support from your peers other foster families and I'll direct this to Amy Bates I know I know you help other foster families with some of their questions but how have other families helped you get through things like adoption and the ups and downs as Ryan said the the roller coaster that you know adoption and court proceedings can be
3: Well, I have a lot of friends that have adopted just because of, you know, the community that I live in. And that is one thing that I think foster care is awesome at is the extra support that you get when you adopt through foster care, not just through the other foster parents, but through DCFS as well. Um, The department of child and family services has a lot of great um, additional services after you adopt. So I would say having That built-in support system is just so helpful because there's other people who kind of know what you're going through. They might have suggestions for you to try things that have worked for them in the past or not worked in the past. Um, It's also very helpful for my kids because they don't feel like they're the only ones who are adopted. You know, they can hang out with other children who are adopted or other children who've been in foster care and really feel like they're not alone. Um, And that helps me as a parent as well. You know, we can have vent sessions, we can cry together, we can um, share successes together, which is just so helpful as a parent in general. And I feel like, especially in these COVID times, a lot of parents are missing that support system. And it's really built in when you're a foster parent and you adopt from foster care, which is just so incredibly helpful to me.
0: I've seen so many foster parents jump on the, we have Facebook support group pages and just say, Hey, I'm going through this with my adoption. And you know, what are some tips you can give me? Oh, that is just so helpful.
3: Exactly. And as a a typical or regular parent, you don't necessarily have that system built in. And that's where I find it so helpful because the parent, the other foster parents are just so supportive. Um, Personally, I love hanging out with foster parents probably more than any other population of people. I find them to be very understanding, compassionate, flexible. Um, They kind of get my kids. I don't have to do a lot of under, you know, explaining that even though they're not the same color as I am, or even though they're having this different behavior. So I just don't have to go into the details. Um, They're just a great group of people to associate with. And so some, you know, I choose to hang out with a lot of foster adopted parents because of that, um, and to have that built-in support system uh, is just so helpful to me.
0: It's wonderful. Thank you. We have a, a few more minutes left, and I'll, I'll ask um, both Amy and Ryan and Susie uh, to to think of just some some quick tips or. Any other advice for people wanting to adopt through foster care um, who are are foster parenting right now and still have, you know, maybe some doubts about it?
3: I hear from a lot of foster parents um, or people that are getting into looking into foster parents who are really nervous about bringing a child into their home and loving them for a year or more and then having the child go back home. They often say, you know, I just could not do that. I would just love them. I would get too attached to them. It would just be too hard. And I absolutely validate those feelings. It is incredibly hard to love a child and then have them go back to a home that, um, you may have some questions about. Um, the things that have helped me the most when I've struggled with that, and I still struggle. So I've done this a really long time. I've, I have a big family, I'm not looking to adopt again. And yet when I have a child that goes home, I grieve and I am sad about that. Um, even when they're going home or to another home that's a great place, I have absolutely come to love that child. So I attach very easily too. I get those feelings. Um, The things that have helped me is to know that the time, whatever time I had with that child was beneficial to them and to me, that I was able to hopefully open up a, a window into their lives of how things could be different. I was able to show them love, unconditional love for however period of time they were in my home. And the knowledge that in some cases if my home was not available, these children would not have a home. I've had kids come into my home on Christmas Eve. And if they, if I wasn't willing to take that risk of attaching and loving them too much, they would have stayed in a shelter for Christmas. And that is a thought that is unimaginable to me and it's just not acceptable. So as a parent and, and my children in the home, sometimes we have to take that risk and, and go through that grief um, because it's important that these children have homes. And although it may be hard for us, we have lots of support systems and ways to deal with that. And these children often wouldn't have any other place. And so to me, it's worth um, taking that risk. And that's what I would say is that if you're questioning um, to consider that, yes, it's going to be hard. There's absolutely no doubt about that, Um, but it's absolutely worth it to see the impact that you can have on a child's life and vice versa, the impact that they can have on your life um, makes it makes all the tears and all the grief of saying goodbye 100% worth it.
2: I just wanna kind of second what Amy just said. If you aren't torn, when they, like if they leave your house, you did not do it right. That's kind of how I see it is um, kind of putting it in the perspective of these kids these kids are being torn from their homes away from everything that they know and love from, um, from friends, from family and put into a stranger's house. And that is one of the things that we had to realize is there's going to be acting out. There's going to be lashing out. There's going to be different coping mechanisms that are bad coping mechanisms that they learn, And, and that's okay because they're going through trauma. And that's the thing that, like kind of, we've all gone through trauma. I think like to one degree or another, I think every one of us is not perfect. And if we look at these kids, they've gone through more trauma than probably um, we have. And they need to feel loved. They need to feel cared for. It. And that's the whole goal of fostering is taking these kids, putting them into a safe environment and having them feel loved. That I think is like really the core of what a foster parent is. And whether they stay with you or the goal is reunification, in that day that they're brought to your home, it's all about showing that love and that they are cared for and showing that the world isn't always full of bad experiences. And that's what we had an opportunity to do with all of the kids that came into our house was When they came into our home, they knew that they were going to be fed, cared for, protected, and safe. And and that's what we try to strive for every day. And any parent out there that has that goal for their own kids or wants that for their future kids can be a foster parent. Like It's not easy when it comes down to it, and and I might be oversimplifying it. But if you simplify what you really need to do as a foster parent, that is the response, number one responsibility is to protect and love these kids.
0: Beautiful, beautiful sentiments. Liz, we, we always seem to learn something new from the foster parents we have on this show.
1: Every time, yeah. Even something that I think I know, hearing it from the, the point of view and, and the words of someone else makes it that much more um, known, I guess. So thank you. And Susie and Ryan, I look forward to hearing more about your daughter
0: and her college and success story. You brought her a lot of hope, and we thank you for joining us today. And Amy, you you teach me every time I hear you that you can love an adopted child as much as your biological child, and you can both get something out of the relationship, so it's time to come to an end. We, um, we're looking for different topics and we want to hear from you. So please continue to review our podcast, suggest any topics that you as a foster family want to learn. And if there is anyone listening who has thought about adopting through foster care and has questions, feel free to give us a call at Utah Foster Care. Just go to utahfostercare.org and we'll be glad to give you a call. For everyone out there, especially in these rough times, keep sharing your heart. And thanks for joining us. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next
2: time.